What up? What up? Welcome back to Millionaire Voices, episode number 10. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing the one and only, the notorious Nick Hicks. He's the co-founder of Perform, a high-performance sport facility in South Florida, where he also trains professional athletes. He's also the co-founder of Batch Cookie, the most delicious cookies in South Florida. You guys got to tune in right now if you want authentic, real, genuine advice from someone who's catapulted himself to the top of his game right now. Tune in. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Millionaire Voices with the legendary Nick Hicks. He's the co-founder of Perform Sports and the co-founder of Batch Cookie. Today, I have the pleasure of digging in to his mindset, seeing what it takes to build his large companies and where he's going, and then just having a real conversation with another real one. So without further ado, welcome Nick Hicks to Millionaire Voices. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. You know, Nick, it's funny. I I was thinking about this earlier was I got to go to your gym, Elevate, 2014, when you just opened up. And I just want to say to you real quick was that I knew you were going to be successful because I saw the love, the passion, the skill set, the confidence, the patience, and a great attitude. And when I saw that, I was so excited to see the future. I appreciate it. And I knew of you. So I just wanted to say that to you before we start this show. And, you know, I want the audience to really understand who you are. So Nick Hicks. Tell us a little bit about where you come from. You know, I heard that you were a middle school and high school legend, and, and yeah. I'd love to know about your beginning. <clears throat> so, born and raised Pembroke Pines, Florida. You know, right, right here. Um, played all sorts of sports growing up. Well, there's football, baseball, basketball, ran track. But obviously, football is my love. I love the game. Um, and then growing up, yeah, in like little league, I, I was I was pretty good. Um, and then high school, I was pretty good. But then I, I hit. You know, a couple unfortunate scenarios where I tore my ACL twice in high school, um, you know, which kind of spun me into this, like, little, this repetitive realm of, of recovery and rehab as as opposed to training. Mm-hmm. And that kind of got me into training. Um, and, and, it's, and I want to really slow it down because I want people to really just dig in to understand your mindset. So you're growing up. You're playing sports. You're really good at sports, and you had this injury, so you faced your first obstacle. It sounds like, yeah. Um, but were you were you going for the league? Like, what was your mindset at that time? <clears throat> yeah, man. Of course, everybody wants to go to the NFL, right? That was that was the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, like my my path was kind of leading towards that. You know, I was a very good little league football player. Sometimes little league football players are good at little league. They peak at nine, ten years old, but then they don't get bigger. They don't get faster. They kind of, or they do get too large, and they kind of get hockey. You know, and then they get into high school, and they're not as good. Then you got the other kids that are late bloomers that mm-hmm. you know, okay, they're not that good in little league, but they got to high school, and this kid, you know, shows up as a sophomore. He's six foot two, two hundred pounds. Like he's a beast. Mm-hmm. So, so that guy is is he's he's the one that you know kind of transitions from you know not being so good to okay, all right, he can play some ball. So I was on the flip side of that. I was kind of like the anomaly. I was really, really good in Little League, and mm-hmm. then I got was really, really good in high school. Um, but having a knee injury, you know, at a young age as a sophomore in high school, and then not having the proper rehab and not having the proper training, you know, 15 years ago, and re-injuring my knee again the next year, mm-hmm. so having two reconstructive knee surgeries, you know, by the time I was 16 years old, kind of, you know, blew that balloon of the NFL for me, to be honest. And you grew up in South Florida you went to Heritage High School? I went to American Heritage Jam Plantation. 
Yeah, and that, they were considered one of the big big dogs. In, we were in that solid. Sport. We were solid back in the day. Right now, they're like the perennial top dog in South Florida and in the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've won you know five state championships in the last seven years. Like they're they're good. Wow. They've got a bunch of guys in the league from there. But when I was there, we were okay. Um, we couldn't get over the hump of playing Shaman and Madonna. And, you know, Shaman guys out there, I mean, you guys beat our ass every single year. But, uh, you know, that was kind of our thing. We were good in the private school realm, mm-hmm. um, but right behind Chaminade. So, what... <clears throat> And what position were you playing at that time? Just I played quarterback, man. I okay. was a five foot eight quarterback. I was a run first, uh, run second quarterback. There was no passing for me. You so know, we would we would call maybe five six, you know, pass plays a game, and uh, you know that was about it. But I ran the ball a lot. I was mm-hmm. more of a dual threat, uh, more that on Johnny the running Manziel side. Style. Dual. Yes and no. Yes and no. I actually, had the nickname in high school was Vanilla Vic. Mm, so okay. the white Michael Vick. So um, that was that was it, man. That was that was my position. But then I knew I wouldn't play that in college because I'm five foot eight, you know, five foot eight and a half with cleats on, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I had to switch positions. But unfortunately, so my senior year, I tried to switch over to, to to receiver, but the quarterback that stepped in wasn't ready, and the first two games of the year were, were pretty bad. So I had to let, go back to quarterback. Let me ask you this real quick, you know, in a nutshell, what the game of football teach you? Man, adversity, how to deal with adversity. I would say that's the biggest thing. Um, like I said, my entire career of football was riddled with injuries. And um, I always had a great mindset towards it. You know, I was like, all right, well, you know, this is just another obstacle i got to get over. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not sure if anyone knows, but reconstructive ACL surgeries, it's anywhere between like eight to, you know, a year, eight months to a year of recovery time. So you're mm-hmm. out the entire season. And you got to come back and, and, and you got you to gotta train and, and make sure that you're, you're you know, number one, not going to ha- have the injury again. But you're also bigger, stronger, faster than you were before. So it just, you know, it created this this mentality that adversity is actually a pretty good thing. You know, mm-hmm. adversity, you know, makes somebody grow. You know, um, and as a sophomore, as a 15 year old kid who had no idea what was going on, and having to do that back to back years, and it really shaped uh, the way that I am because it, it made me have this no quit mentality. Like, the, like failure is not an option. We've got to get back out there. Yeah, I've seen you, you know, in in through social media and what I know of you is that you've been a type of dude. It sounds like that. Like when life comes, you just put a smile on and you you eat it all up and you just run right through it. Yeah, man. Wipe be, it off. There's, you know, I just there's in my mind mm-hmm. there's a way to succeed, mm-hmm. and I just gotta find it. You know, there's there's one million ways to fail. There's also a million ways to succeed. Um, you know, that's 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 being a business owner, though. You know, I mean, a lot of people start a business, they love what they're doing, but they a little bit of adversity hits, and they they clam up, and that's it. You know, they don't know how to get out of that hole. No, thanks for saying that. And before we talk about your business and how you're running at a high performance, both uh, figuratively and literally, is what'd you do after college? What was your move? So oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <clears throat> after high school, what'd you do after high school? What was your move? So, um, after high school, I went. I had a couple opportunities to walk on and play Division One football at a couple schools, but I went to a recruiting fair, and there was Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, and NAIA schools there. So all sorts of divisions and and uh, you know um, like categories of football to play at the college level, and um, I got a lot of intention from this one school called north central in chicago mm-hmm. and i went on a visit out there and i loved it and um i was like all right this is where i want to go you know i could have walked on to florida state could have walked on to fau could have walked on to colorado state those are all preferred walk-on places 
Um, but I wanted to go to a place to where I could play right away. You know, in my mind, again, I, I knew I wasn't going to go to the NFL. That wasn't my goal. It was just keep playing football for another four years and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went. I went to Chicago and um, I went to school out there. And it was funny. At first, I was a broadcast communications major, and um, I, I remember doing my first. Like so, when you're a broadcast comm major, you have to either work in radio or television. And I was working on the local radio station, <clears throat> and um, it was the most boring thing I ever did in my life. You know, I would just I would press play for a song, then I would have to tell about the traffic, and then I just hit another song, and it was just terrible. So I remember I came back for uh, spring break my freshman year, and I was like, I got to change. This is not it. Mm. Um, and it just so happened that I went back to my high school to to work out. And they had a strength coach there, his new guy, um, that wasn't there the year before when I was there. And he was training the, the team. And um, <clears throat> I saw a kid doing, like, a bad squat. So I kind of, you know, helped him with the squat form. And, and the, the coach had seen me. And he was like, hey, man, you know, what are you, what are you doing? You know, what are you, what are you studying in school? And I was like, shit, I don't know, man. I was just studying broadcast communications. And now I have no idea. And he's like, well, maybe look into kinesiology and exercise science and training. I was like, oh, Maybe. So that kind of sprung my, you know, my, my, my brain, like, okay, maybe this is what I could jump into. But can you make money as a trainer? Like, do trainers make money? And, like, do you have to be a business owner or, like, a gym owner to make money? So, you know, that's when I started to really, really think about this as maybe a, a future career. Mm. Um, so then I changed over with my – I called my, my academic advisor at college. I said, hey, so what I want to do. And she was like, all right, sounds good. Boom. And that was it. Um, and, and that's just how I, it, it changed, man. And that's that's the shift. It sounds like you said so many things there that I really hope people grasp. But that like pretty much, first of all, you were just genuinely helping that dude out. That's it. You weren't doing it. I want to make more money. I want to do this. You were doing it because hey, you wanted to help somebody. Yep. And then next thing you know, it opened a door for you, and because you crossed paths with the right person at the right time. Yep. And then you started to your whole mentality shifted. Now. Where so after that you started to become motivated and passionate because I consider you an expert now. Yeah, so it was funny. I mean, I was I was eighteen then. That was wow. my freshman year of college. I was eighteen year old. It was spring break of my freshman year of college. I might have been nineteen, but I was young. You know, um, after I changed over my major, okay, I came back home for that summer to train. Mm-hmm. And it was like the same exact thing. I was in the weight room working out, and he, this guy was in there training the football team. And he's like, hey, man, you know, are you down for the whole summer? What do you got going on? And I was like, yeah, man, I'm here, and they're just trying to, trying to train and, and get right. He's like, well, if you want to help me out and kind of intern, mm-hmm. you can train with me and my pros in the morning. So the next morning, I'm out there with Lito Shepard, Asante Samuel, Channing Crowder, Javon Curse, like big names. And I'm just working out with these guys. And then in the afternoons, I'm helping him train people. So... Uh, not only am I, am I getting my body ready for my season, I'm getting my mind, you know, okay, this is cool, man. This training stuff is actually really awesome. He's training all these different kids, and then he's got these pros, then he's got these one-on-ones, and, you know, I was just kind of helping him out, like assisting. It sounds like, and I like to bring up this word during the show a lot, is it sounds like he became like a mentor. He was. He's a mentor today. Him and yeah. I talk every single day. Uh, we talk all the time. And, he's a very, very uh, close colleague in the industry with me. And one thing I want to point out to people is that you took that – internship per se didn't think about how's it going to benefit you and, and make a million dollars right there and then all you want to do is learn get better like you said get back yep. to the season so this became the one of the best learning experiences 100 percent, 100 percent. and knowledge is way way more valuable sorry about that way more valuable than than you know a paycheck mm-hmm. you know so I, and it is and I, I always say potential power and we all know we have to apply everything you learn 
And it comes down to now you're 18, you started, you finished the four years, and you're getting into the real world. Yep. And we're going to speed up a little bit now. And I want to know, what was your next move into the real world? So after I graduated, you know, I'm going to kind of, you know, being an entrepreneur actually started for me in college. Okay. Um, you know, I knew I wanted to be a business owner. Um, and, the, and it's because of kind of what transpired when I was in college. So I always, I always, I always wake up early. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm up every single day. It's 530 in the morning. It's just what I do. I just, I wake up early. So I always had 8 a.m. classes in college, you know, but I also wanted to make some money. So I, I was looking for a job and I got a job at a local high school as a janitor to clean their, their locker rooms at 7 a.m. It was 7, 745. Then I'd go right to my class and I would just make some money. So I always had some cash, unlike my other college buddies who had no money, and we would throw these parties at our house. So I lived in a house with like five other football players. It was a nice big house and like an unincorporated land in Illinois, like two acres of land, tree house, 100-foot-long slip and slide. It was like a college party house, right? So we'd want to throw these parties, but we didn't know, like, who. okay, who's got money, who can buy a keg? So I was the only one who had money, so I was like, you know what, I'll, buy, I'll go buy two kegs, right? So I bought two kegs, and I created this entire operation, this business operation. I had guys that always worked the door that would collect the money. Those guys would then be able to drink from the keg for free. Um, you know, I, I had a DJ that I paid out of, out of uh, you know, out of my, my earnings and so on and so forth. It got to the point to where, you know, I was making so much money at the front door. We'd have 300 people at these parties every single night, and it was a Friday, Saturday night. Oh. And I'd come away with like $400 a night. And $800 a weekend for a college kid is a lot of money. You know what I mean? So I started making all this money and turning it more into more of a business operation. So I had an idea that, you know, I was a big Captain Morgan drinker back in the day. That was my thing. Hmm. I had an idea that, okay, if somebody brings a handle of Captain Morgan, they would be exempt from paying for the entire semester. You know, they would have to pay the five bucks at the door. So I, I thought, oh, it was cool because now I'm going to drink for free because I'm not going to buy these Captain Morgans. I ended up getting like 30 handles. You know, all these handles are just sitting in my room. So I'm, what am I going to do with this? So I went to the hobby store and I bought an ice, uh, uh, a snow cone maker and then hired somebody to, to make rum and coke slushies inside the house. So now I'm making money there. <laughs> and it was just, you know, I always saw myself kind of being, you know, a leader and having a business mind and trying to figure out ways to make more money and make an experience better and make something, you know, more enjoyable. So... You know, being doing that for two, three years in college, I'm like, man, I, I feel like this is this is my passion. So I took an entrepreneurial class as a senior, um, and I loved it. It was probably one of my favorite classes that I took. Um, and within this class, we had to design a business. And I basically designed a training company, you know. Um, and, again, that was just where I got my first taste of being an entrepreneur. But when I graduated, obviously, I was 21, 22 years old. I'm not just going to jump in and create a gym. You know, I'm not just going to open up this place. You know, if you're going to do that, you need to start to build a clientele. You know, I can't open up a gym and have no members. You know what I mean? I had to build a brand for myself, build a name for myself. Uh, but I got offered an opportunity to be the head strength coach at St. Thomas University in Miami Gardens. So I took it, and um, I was there. I was training their teams, but they would also give me an opportunity to train clients outside of the college there. Um, and I was also working for a company at that time, too, at Athlete's Edge. So I had a lot going on. I was working, doing a lot of things, trying to make as much money as possible. So, so that was it, man. I just I, I got right out of college, and I jumped right into the training scene. Uh, but again, in the back of my mind, I was like, man, I want to open up a gym. I want to I want to have my own place. It's funny you say that, and it was so inspiring what you said because I I found a way to become an entrepreneur before the real world per se myself. And you just first of all, you're doing a bunch of upsell. You had so many 
I, I t- my sister brought this up yesterday but I say the word nuggets it means yep. like jewels yep. but you 100%. said so many things that you were doing there that you're almost bobbing and weaving but creating your reality and your attitude once again was probably the very belief believing yep. in yourself so you got to the real world you, you started kind of putting your hands a little bit of everything keeping your eyes open you started getting better and stronger and understanding what you were teaching so another thing I want to point out is that you said that you wanted to open a gym and you were supposed to be, you know, so-called like everyone else, a professional athlete. You, you had more of a foundation to know which direction you can go. But a lot of other people who don't become professional athletes, there's many ways to monetize or find your passions within that type of space. 100%. And then for you, you said that you wanted to kind of get some foundation laid before you took that big next step. Yeah. Um, so what year did you make that big leap into becoming so, a business owner? So two years a little bit over two years, I worked at the college as a strength coach and mm-hmm. built up a good, you know, clientele. You know, a pretty good name for myself. Um, I mean, when I was not at the college, I would go to Betty T. Ferguson, which was a little park in Miami Gardens, and I would train kids for free just to kind of expose myself to, you know, expose these kids to what I offer. You know what I mean? Um, and that turned into three kids to five kids to ten kids. And all of a sudden, I'm training ten kids three days a week at Betty T. Ferguson. And it was, it was in the hood. You know, it's like in the heart of Miami Gardens. I'm the only white guy there. Um, you know, and these kids are like, man, this is great training. You know, coach, what can we do for you? You know, like, you know, I know we don't have any money, but what can we do? And I said, bring some friends and let them know it's 10 bucks a session, you know. And then the next thing you know, next session, there's five new kids who all brought 10 bucks, and I had 50 bucks now. I'd put 50 bucks in my pocket from this session. And then that grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. And guess what? Now um, I'm at this field. I've got 30, 40 kids every single day. Oh, wow. It's like an operation. You know, everyone's talking about it, and it just it just spread like wildfire. Um, so when that happens, then big names start to come, and then, you know, pros start to come, and it's just like, hey, what's going on over here? Like, let's... You got heard. that buzz going around. Exactly. Um, and then... Uh, after that, after that was actually meanwhile, um, while all that was going on, I was training one of my former high school friends, and um, he had seen what I had built at this little college, and was like, "Dude, you got to open up your own gym." And I was like, "Trust me, I know. Like, I want to." He's like, "What's holding you back?" And I was like, "Well, the funds. You know, I don't have that money." He said, like, "Well, what if I got the money? Let's go into business together." And I was like, "All right, cool." So literally, boom. Uh, a month later, him and I signed a contract, and we opened up Elevate. You know, his name's Mike Rafferty, you yeah. know, so, you know, him and I opened up Elevate, and it was great. I mean, we opened up Elevate, and before we even had one f- first fitness class, we already had 40 members sign up. So that's why I said, like, we had the members. That's why we, we did it the right way. You know, we, we built this infrastructure, this, this you know, rooted groundwork, and then started to build above the ground, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Elevate was the first thing that, that you know, was, so- was my baby. And it was something that I've been a part of and really enjoyed my experience, actually. I really It helped me push myself when I was really trying to get to the next level. And at the same time, just like any gym does, it's, but your mentality was something I gravitated to. And I was like, I want to be around that guy. You put something out into the atmosphere. You guys were heavy on IG at that time. But you put something out there and said... I want to see what these people are doing. And that's how I felt, uh, to, to tell you the truth. And let's talk a little bit about that experience, like in the business ownership side. We'll go back into skill sets and what you learn with players and all the professional athletes you're working with now. But what was the experience building a company when you first started? You guys you, you wanted to get an empty space. Talk us through the mentality. 
So, you know, the first gym that I opened, Elevate, I was not business mindset because I thought, all right, I have a business partner. Mm -hmm. He's going to be the business guy. I'm just going to train and be the face. And that's what I'm going to worry about. You know, so Mike found the space. The space was actually owned by one of his family friends. You know, um, I put together a list of equipment. Mike found it. Mike bought it. Like, he did all the business stuff to get the business going. And, again, me, I was training and, you know, promoting and, um, you know, basically staffing and getting people to train, you know, getting trainers to come, so on and so forth. When we actually opened the doors, man, it was great. You know, we, we we were busy right away. Um... And I got so caught up in the training that I really didn't pay attention much to the business stuff, which, and, you know, hindsight, I really should have. But again, everything happens for a reason. And I think that, you know, Elevate was a great learning experience for me to catapult me into my next venture, right? So, you know, I really wasn't so, you know, behind the scenes with the business stuff. I was more so just training, training, training. Mm-hmm. Um and then I'd say two years down the road, Mike and I decided that we had different ideas and philosophies that we want to do with the gym. He wanted to make it more of a fitness-oriented thing, kind of like an orange theory, like let's make, a, let's make them smaller and more efficient and just pop them up everywhere. And me, I wasn't really about that. I, I was more of a, a culture feel, like, you know, like a family-type feel. Um, and I also love the sports performance aspect. That's more of my passion than fitness. Mm-hmm. And he kind of wanted to just not really do that that much, just make it more fitness so we decided that, you know what, we both don't agree on this. Let's just go our separate ways. Um, so I broke off from Elevate. Um, when I broke off from Elevate, I was by myself. And now I'm like, all right, shit, what do I got to do? I got I to, gotta, you know, buy a website domain? Is that the first thing? Or <laughs> do I, is it an, an LLC? Do I have to go on Sunbiz? I think it's called Sunbiz. Like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I had some guidance. I had some, uh, I had, uh, you know, an attorney that I'd worked with. And then I also had a trainer that was with me at Elevate who was coming on as my business partner too, who had a lot of knowledge about it. So, but this time around, I was like, you know what? I got to be hands on with the business aspect because at the end of the day, you know, this, this is my livelihood, right? I need to know all the working parts and all the little pieces that go into it. Um, so yeah, so I mean, Elevate was a great experience for me to, to, to learn about being a business owner but not how to be a business owner. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, I mean, because you're right. You know, what I always tell people on Jack Deloso last episode was they were talking about, like, the pillars, right? You got your marketing, your sales, your operations, your finance, uh, your legal and whatnot. But then you have the most important is the product, Yep. right? The product or Agreed. the service. And you said it sounded like you were focusing on the product, the service, and then you were filling in some gaps. Like you said, you were being the face of marketing and you were also recruiting. So it sounded like you were in sales. But at the same time, you have to understand how this business is moving beyond just the amazing products. And that keeps, you know, that helps with scalability and that helps with actually being able to carry out your vision without yep. getting bottlenecked or, or stressed out with all the different hats you're wearing. So I completely understand with that. And I think vision is key, and, and I, I want to ask you as a business owner, I mean, all these different things, what do you think, what, what's the most important thing to you? You said just the culture and, yeah. and, and the product? Yeah, culture. I think, um, especially in my business, you know, mm-hmm. in the gym business, sports performance business, really, um, it's very hard to find people that care, um, and my staff really cares. Um, and about everybody. It's not, it's not just about, you know, a certain person or an aspect of the gym. It's just, we just care about everything. Um, I mean, my art, my trainers go to, to their clients practices, 
not games, not tournaments. They go to their mm. practices. You know, they go to their birthdays. They go to their graduations. They 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 take it outside of the gym. Mm. You know, like when we say family, we really mean family. And that's something that, you know, you, you, you really can't teach somebody. They've got to have it. But once somebody has it and they see it somewhere, they gravitate towards it. You know, mm. I have seven trainers on staff or five trainers on staff and then me and my, my, my partner, Zach, um... Everybody that is on staff has either interned for me or was a former client. So they know the ropes. They know what we do. You know, it's not like a random, some really, really good trainer from New York wants to come down and be a part of the the squad. We probably wouldn't hire you just because you don't have the intangibles. You know, you don't understand, you know, how we operate, you know, at a, at a, a love level, really, you know, mm, you know what I the mean? The highest frequency. Exactly, yeah. you know, not just the, okay, I'm a really good trainer and I can train anybody, but do you really care about everybody? You know, do you care about your clients? So That's so powerful. And, and th- once again, thanks for saying stuff like that because no it, it really shows that, like, when you take it to the next level, you ch- let's put all the money aside for because, you know, you can't take it with you, the whole yep. quote, the U-Hauls, yep. not going to follow the, the hearse, yep. is... When it comes down to you're serving people, you really genuinely care. Everything follows. 100%. Everything comes to you. In it's this easy. It, it becomes a, it's easy. a flow state. Now, I love those values that you breathe into your organization. Let's talk about Perform now. Uh, perform, let's explain exactly what's going on with Perform. So Perform, again, was the, sec- the, the stepping stone away from Elevate. And, you know, and it was the second gym that I opened up, and it's what I've had now for five years I have a business partner, Zach Cardone, who was my intern at St. Thomas University at the, in Miami Gardens. He was my intern there. And I brought him to Elevate. And then I said, hey, look, man, I'm opening up this Perform place. And he was like, awesome, dude. That sounds great. He's like, to be honest with you, I don't think I can really be a trainer anymore. And I was like, well, that's that's cool. I understand. You're going to be my business partner. And he was like, oh, shit. All right. Really? Let's go, man. Let's go. So, you know, I always had a plan that he would be my business partner just because him and I we we had we mesh very well. We have great synergy. Um, we're always on the same page, and we respect each other's opinions um, and and values and and direction. You know, if we th- if I think we want to go this way, and Zach thinks we want to go this way, then we meet and we talk about it and we figure it out. You know what I mean? Um, it's not. It's been one of the better relationships that I've had. You know, with with friends and and and, and business. Um, so, Perform is a 5,000-square-foot facility in Davie. We actually just moved out of an 1,800-square-foot facility right right across the street because we were blowing the walls out. It was so packed. Um, but now, we, we actually need an even larger uh, gym, which we're, we're looking for now. We're, we're thinking about bringing on a really, really big um, investor who's a very close friend and, and one of our athletes. I don't want to you know put all the, the information out there yet, but we've got really cool things going on behind the scenes. Um, you know, and we train everybody. That's the thing about perform. We're very eclectic. Um, you know, a lot of people put all their eggs in one basket. There's a lot of very successful teams or uh, gyms, but they only do one thing. You know, there's there's places in, in in South Florida like our competitors that are very good at pre-draft prep. There's there's places that are very good at NFL offseason, but they're not good at youth. They're not good at high school. They're not good at adult fitness. They're not good at the one-on-one. They're not good at rehab. We're good at everything. You know, and that's that's not me being, you know, conceited. That's me being confident. We are good at everything. That's that's strong right there. I like what you said, not being conceited, being very confident. Let's dig into, right now, those different practices. I, I want to know a little bit more. So, like, you're saying you're doing specific things for specific uh, muscles, 
And not even muscles, no, demographics of people. So we have an SPG group. SPG Mm -hmm. stands for Sports Performance Group. That is middle school and high school athletes. Okay. Okay, and that trains Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. The first hour is speed, agility, change of direction. And the second hour is resistance training, strength training. All right, so that's that's more of our middle school, high school. We also have another group. It's called ASP, which is Adult Sports Performance. So, you know, you guys in this room right here, you can you you basically didn't elevate. It's just, you know, in my brain, a, a, a new and improved program. You know, something that, that is just, you know, flawless. You know what I mean? We've been working on it forever now. Um, and that right there, we have, you know, maybe 100 adult fitness clients, what we call them sports performance clients, um, in that group. Uh, then we have our college off-season, so kids that come down for the summer. Um, and that's not just football. That's, you know, women's lacrosse, women's soccer. That's uh, men's lacrosse, basketball. Um, we have our NFL off-season group, which is going on right now. And we've got, you know, really, really big, big names in this group this year. we got Dalvin Cook. We've got Tua Tagovailoa. We've got J.K. Dobbins. You know, we've got really big names. Um, we do our NFL uh, pre-draft prep, which is like combine training. Um, and that's, that's usually an 8- to 10-week period at the start of the year. Um, we do off-site and on-site team training. So, like, Cypress Bay football team comes to our gym and works out with us. And then we go off-site and train, you know, West Broward High School or or St. Thomas Aquinas. I mean, we, we do a lot of things. We have a lot of moving parts going on. And the way that we keep track of that is I have, I have someone on the staff that is in charge of SPG. I have someone that is in charge. They're the, you know, they're, they're basically um, the overseer of these these sectors of the company. You know, and if their sector is doing well, they get a bonus. Mm. You know what I mean? It's all incentive-based, you know. My whole philosophy with the gym and with business, really, is, you know, I don't want to make money off of you. I want to make money with you. Yes. You know, let's make money together. You know what I mean? Um, you know, because I was on the other side of that coin. I, when I was training at another, another facility, you know, way back in the day, I kind of got screwed. You know, when I was really, really, really busy, um, my, my, my pay structure turned to a salary. And when I was super slow, oh, we're going to go to commission. But what do you mean? You know, that's that's not how this works. You know, and, and that was one of the reasons why I left that facility and opened up Elevate. So, you know, a lot of things that I learned, like how do you, how does an employee want to be treated? You know, like I like to be treated a certain way. I'm going to treat my employees that way. And it's been like that. You know, we've our staff has been intact since day one. You know, no one's left. And, you know, we've just – everyone's just steadily grown. Wow. It – it's funny, you just struck a chord with me, that last sentence, because that was something that I, I held so dear to myself on the entrepreneurship journey, was that you don't lose anyone on this boat. The door is always wide open, yep. and it's right there, But and you can walk out whenever you like, 100%. but at the same time, I never lost anyone, and, and the day that we had to, due to financial reasons, had to let go of people, I... I I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't know how to conceptualize that. But that's so cool how you're running this organization. It's, it's so scalable, it yeah. sounds like. Yes and no. The, the hardest part about the gym business is people, the trainers. You need good quality trainers that have an understanding and a knowledge of training and that can, you know, narrow narrow somebody's assessment and really get them results, but they also have to care. They got to be punctual. They've got a. They, they, there's just so many intangibles that you really can't teach. So it is scalable. Yes, I don't think that perform in my mind is going to be in every city in the in the country. Like like batch is different. Like that is it's a recipe. Mm. Hey man, Danny, here's the recipe. This is how we make our cookies. Make the cookies in Tallahassee. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I want to talk about that. Okay, but so look, but look but the gym that. is not like that. Um, 
my thought process for the gym would be maybe one, two, three locations, you know, but with a core sector of the trainers. So, like, for example, Talon. Talon takes West Palm Beach. You know what I mean? Um, and then we like, Daryl. Daryl takes, you know, Fort Lauderdale, so on and so forth, right? Like, that's kind of what I think we could do. Um, but if, if someone in San Diego said, hey, man, I love the Perform concept. I want to open up one up right here on the beach. I don't know how that's going to work. You know, there's so many different ways to slice and dice it, like yeah. like you said. And, and I feel like the word that should have came, came out was... You have so much momentum. Yes, and and that's what you have. The scalability. I love that word because yeah. it it show it's, it means growth in my eyes. But you have so much momentum right now. That sounds like because right now it doesn't need to go to the like every you know every city in the United States. It needs to focus on perfecting the formula of how you could impact right this second yeah. right now. And what are you so for that? You know. You're, are you going in every single day and doing your training and then looking at the business? How are you running the business and being in the business? So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I've, I have I am very busy as well, mm-hmm. but I pick and choose kind of what I want to do. Like, okay. I haven't done an adult fitness class in forever, and if I do, it's because I need to pick up a shift because someone's on vacation. You know what I mean? Okay. Or pick up a class if someone's on vacation. Not that I don't want to do it. I just don't need to anymore because I, I have built a trust in my staff to get the job done. And they're doing it better than I think I could do it right now. You know what I mean? They're doing it on all levels. Mm. Um, you know, but but my day is, my day is actually really – it's fun, man. I enjoy it. Like someone said, oh, you know, you don't have to train as much. You're right, but I love it. I love this shit. You know, I love training people. You know, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm seven in the morning. I'm at, um, I'm at Tua's house at 7 a.m. every single day. And then I go to the field, uh, at 8.30 or at 9 to train my NFL guys from 9 to 10.30. Then I have another one-on-one with Brashad Perriman at 10.30 to 11.30 at the field. Then I go back to the gym. I get a quick bite. I work out with my boys. I got four or five homies that, that are all business owners as well that, that work out at 12.30. We work out. We have a good time. I hang out. I change my shirt. You know, I just relax for a little bit, and I train two, three, four, and five. You know, that's kind of my day. And yes, it's busy, but it, I love it. You oh, know, that's, and that's amazing. And your and your business is running because your staff is is doing their job. Hundred percent. You can be able 100%, to act like that. Hundred percent. I mean, there's Danny. I don't I don't know fifty percent of the the clients in the gym. I don't know them because I'm not around them. Like adult people, you know, that come into the the, the adult classes mm-hmm. in the early morning, the afternoons. I didn't sell them. I didn't pick up the phone to get them in there. I didn't. I didn't, you know, sign them up when they loved the, the class. I don't know them, you know, and but they know everyone. They know all the other trainers, and the trainers know them, and it's just, you know, it's great, you know. I meet a new person in there every single day, yeah. and it was never like that. And that that's the cool part yeah. of, of Like at Elevate, I had to know every single person. Mm-hmm. I had to because that's what I was doing. I was in charge. I was micromanaging a couple trainers because I had to know. I had to know this guy and this guy. I had to make this call. Okay, somebody called wants to buy a package. Let me sell it. I only know how to do it. It's not it anymore. You know, I have entire staff that can do everything that I do. Last question I have on that, and then I want to dive in a little bit about what it's like to train a professional athlete. Yep. But it's, you know, it sounds like you pretty much were able to delegate now and replace yourself. Yeah. And that's pretty much what a business owner, if they really want to get to the next level, needs to do. Yep. They need to replace themselves. 100%. And you're running this organization. So... Now you could focus on doing what you love, what you explain, and that is inspiring to me because every single day you're waking up blessed, I could tell, and all of a sudden you just know exactly what you're doing. You have your schedule set and you attack the day. Now, 
What's it like working with a professional athlete? It's it, honestly, it's the same as working with anybody. Um, they just, it's just a more of an elite session. You know, I don't have to get to the fundamentals and the basics. I mean, I can just kind of jump to other things and, um, you know, it's, it's honestly, it's not that big of a difference where I think I excel with pros is I study their game. I like to watch them play, whether it's, you know, highlights or on TV or, or even just, you know, past sessions that we've done and kind of see where the weaknesses are because at that level, it's very, very marginal. You know what I mean? Like we're talking about the best of the best. So how do you make the best better, right? It's eliminating one extra step in a cut or making a stride, you know, two inches longer in a burst, so on and so forth. Um, and I think I'm very good at that because I'm, I'm very detail-oriented. So when I got a guy like Dalvin and I got a guy like Devin Singletary and I got a guy like J.K. Dobbins all in one group, I can sit here and say, all right, Dalvin, I think you're really, really good at this, but I think we can get better at that. Motor, you're really good at what he's not good at, but there's another thing here that I think you can work at. And then, J.K., let's do this, let's do that. Like, I want your focus to be here. You know, I can really break it down for them. And these guys, again, these guys have been playing football their entire lives. They're real. They know. They know what they need to work on. And the fact that I can tell them, they're like, oh, shit, all right. This dude just knows what he knows what he's talking about. You know, and then I get in there and I do the drill, you know, just like it's supposed to look like, oh, shit. Okay, he he not only does he know how to do it, he he can actually do it. Practice what he preaches. You know, so, you know, that's I think that that to me is is, you know, where I excel. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's one of my gifts. I'm I'm good at at breaking things down and explaining and then not only just explaining, but showing it. Mm -hmm. Um, But when people are like, oh, you train, you train these big name guys and. To me, to me, it's like, I don't know. It's not yeah, like that. It's not that. If LeBron it, James walked through the door, I'd probably be like, holy shit. Yeah. You know, LeBron James. But, and no offense, I mean, Dalvin, I've been watching Dalvin forever, you know, and J-Cab watching forever. Two up and watching, you know, since he threw a touchdown pass in the yeah. uh, you know, national championship to beat Georgia. Like, I, I remember all those moments, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. But when you get around them, man, they, they're there for, they're there for a, a reason, you know, and that reason is, hey, look, let's get better. You know, not to just talk football and you know, you know, kind of be fanboy on him. You know what I mean? Exactly. No, people have to realize that is that you know it's just another human being. Hundred percent, another earlier. client that we need. Oh, we got to get working. We got to get mm-hmm. working. So, I'm curious beyond the celebrity status of those types of people. What is it that you're seeing with their skill set besides being so elite? What is it with their mentality that makes them great? It's it has a lot to do with daily routines. You know, um, and it's weird too because the the, uh, the past two off seasons have been crazy because mm-hmm. of the pandemic, because right. of COVID. Right. Like last year's off season was three, four months longer than it should have been. This year is probably going to be the same. So it's really to us, it's like we really don't know what's going to happen. You know, okay, hey, when are you going back? I don't know. They said March third. The other guys like shoot March. Well, I mean May third. It's like May. They they told me April. So it's like no one has any idea, but. You know, it's, it's kind of like, ah, right, well, you know, we don't really know what's going on. Let's control the controllables. Let's just keep getting better every single day, right? Um, and so, and so it's their mentality of, like, we don't really have much, but all we got to do is just focus on, on getting better. Um, but the cooler thing that I think is something that really sticks out to me is the camaraderie that they build amongst each other, mm-hmm. and they hold each other accountable. I like that. You know? Like, we'll look around the room, and, and two of like, hey, where's JK at? And I was like, I don't know, man. Let's call him. Let's FaceTime him. And JK, man, get out of the bed. I see you're sleeping. Get up. And he'll get out of the bed and he'll show up. 
You know what I mean? It's like they hold each other accountable. They're actually, they don't even really know each other. They know of each other because they play in the same organization. Mm-hmm. They're not on the same teams. You know, they're actually opponents. But when it's training, we're a team. You know, I think that's super cool. You know, that's something that I think is that I've seen that that really makes me sit back and say, man, that was that was pretty awesome. It's like that's the human way where it comes down. Like when I'm growing up, I'm looking at two sport teams like freaking enemies. Yeah. And you're trying to tell me that you know, these elite players are, you know, they're boys, man. The <laughs> outside of all this, boys, little, yeah. <laughs> because again, you know, like this is your team. You know, this is your team for right now. You know, it's it's special to see, you know, and it's nice to see them succeed. And, and obviously a lot of people don't get that opportunity in life, but it shows that there's many different ways to succeed in life. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, being in that organization and everybody looking up to you as a yeah. celebrity. So it's, it's it should inspire you that people like Nick, you know, was able to create such an amazing life for himself and he's not in the in the NFL, but look, he's working around the NFL athletes like it's uh, like it's normal because it is. Yeah. So, you know, I think I really want to understand now a little bit more about this other business you got. Yeah. I have a nickname, Nick. That's I call myself called Danny Desserts. Okay. And oh, trust me, <laughs> I know about this business. I've experienced this business. This is I would say different than the fitness business. This is the life sweet beautiful put a smile on anybody's face business this is the cookie business talk to us about becoming the co-founder of of this batch cookie man so so it's it's off it's honestly crazy it happened so fast Uh um but the you know the the idea of it started maybe five six years ago now Maybe six years ago now. So my business partner with the cookie shop, his name is Adam August. Mm. He is the the main operations of Batch. He is the brainchild of Batch. He is Batch. Mm. I'm just helping him build it. It's, it's my brain set, right? So six years ago, he was my roommate. He actually, you might know Adam August through Elevate, probably. Oh. You might have met him at the gym. He used to work out there. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're sitting on the couch, um, and I would bake cookies, believe it or not, little break and bakes, whatever it was, I would make cookies every single night. Like, everyone's like, this fucking trainer, man, he eats cookies every night, and he still has a six-pack, well, what's up with that? Well, with the white, uh, with the ice cream in the middle, too? No, so, so <laughs> yes and no. Um, but I'd get the break and bakes, but I also get, like, the tubs where you just scoop it, and, you know, like, you know, <laughs> scoop, scoop and bake, right? But I'd put, like, a piece of Kit Kat in the middle, or an orange in the middle, so I'd just kind of spice them up. And he'd smoke a shit ton of weed, get high, and be like, dude, these are the best cookies ever. Oh, my God. We should make, we should build a cookie shop. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Literally just like as a joke. Yeah. So six years later, he calls me. He's like, hey, man, um, I uh, actually recently just lost my job um, in San Francisco working for a tech company. And he's like, I'm thinking I'm moving back down to South Florida. I was like, dude, that sucks, but awesome. Sounds good. So um, so he's like, yeah, man. And I was like, what are you going to do? He's like, well, I'm going to open up that cookie shop that we talked about. And I was like. Okay, that's pretty cool. Like, like, what did you learn about? Like, wh- why cookies? And he goes, "Well, you know, man, I just saw that Krispy Kreme sold. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Insomnia Cookie sold the Krispy Kreme for five hundred million dollars." He's like, "And I think I can do a better job." And I was like, "All right, then do it." And he's like, "Well, you're gonna do it with me." And I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Bro, if I'm doing this and I come back to South Florida, you're doing it with me." And I was like, "All right, done. Say less." And that was it. That was the whole conversation. <laughs> the very next day, I was I was looking at spaces for the cookie shop. The next day. The next day, I was looking at three different spots for the cookie shop, and um, that following week, he flew down, 
We went to dinner. We were like, all right, cool. So we're going to do a cookie shop. We have no name. We have no logo. We don't have cookies. We have no chef. We have nothing. So we sat down at dinner. We figured out the name. We drew up a little logo and um, we moved on to the next, you know, the the next issue, which was no cookies, right? You have a cookie shop with no cookies. That, that's an issue. So Adam went on LinkedIn and he emailed 10 chefs and only one emailed back. And it was like the shot in the dark chef that we thought would never respond. His name is Chef Max Santiago. He was the co-founder of the Salty Donut in Wynwood. He is known as the Donut King in Miami. He has opened up multiple donut shops throughout the entire world. We're talking about Saudi Arabia. We're talking about Haiti. We're talking about everywhere. He's opened up a donut shop. So we met with this guy, talked to him for four or five hours, explained him our pitch, let him know what our idea was. And at the end of it, he was like, you know what? I'm in. Let's do it. And, I mean, shoot. After that, we, we rented out space in this little, like, commercial kitchen and started baking cookies. And they were not good at first. You know, we had some weird, weird uh, textures and, you know, different kind of ideas. And it just wasn't good at first. Uh, but we, we narrowed it down to a solid uh, nine cookies. And we had a friends and family tasting. You know, our friends and family would tell us, what, you know, whether or not these are good or not, right? So we had that, and it was a hit. People loved them. Um, and then after that, we had, we had a soft opening of the, of the shop and, and then a grand opening and then boom, now all of a sudden we're opening our second location up a year and a half later in plantation and we're inside, you know, 50 days. So it, it moved fast. You know, we, we built a really, really good following. Um, I think that's why Adam wanted to bring me on board. Um, not only because we're really good friends, but he knew that, you know, I, I knew a lot of people and, and especially in Fort Lauderdale and Broward County. Um, so if there's any place that, that you'd want to open a cookie shop, it'd be Fort Lauderdale and, and he wanted me to be his partner. So, you know, I, I do the marketing, I do the social media, I do the content creation. Um, that is more of my forte. Um, used to do a lot of event planning, but right now there's not really too many events going on, uh, obviously. Um, and then, you know, Max is, is the brains behind the, the recipes, um, and then Adam is the operations guy and he, he has done an amazing job. I've never seen anybody... Uh, move this quick with businesses. Like I said, we opened up our first location in six months. I don't know anyone that's ever opened up. And that's through construction. That was construction, permitting. Um, that was uh, uh, product testing. Five, six months we were open selling cookies. Business licenses, everything. Everything. Food license, everything, everything yeah. man. He was, he was a monster. Wow. And he killed it. And um, he's done nothing but push us in the right direction for the second store. Mm-hmm. And we're ready for it. You know, And then third store, hopefully end of this year. You said something that I want to bring up because this is a huge thing in business. Everyone needs to hear this. Data. Data is king and queen. Yep. And you could study data so you can know what to do. Talk to us a little bit about the data. When you said data, what what are you looking for? So data in what regard, though? So there's there's multiple things. So number one, first of all, you know, looking at the the market. Okay, like we've got – insomnia cookie that has a dollar 25 cookie that they're okay they're good you know late night when you're drunk but they just sold it to, to Krispy Kreme for 500 million dollars like the numbers just that's crazy right what if we did something that we could do you know we made a better cookie and and this cookie is not only a dollar 25 but it's that's four dollars but it's also three times the size and it's more of a gourmet feel and let's let's try to make this entire idea better um 
You know, but when you're looking at that, what do you mean data, though? Like, So when I say data, because uh, someone like me with a, a numbers guy, yeah. so I'm looking at data. I'm looking at, like, KPIs. I'm looking at, like, key point indicators, meaning, yep. like, okay, we had this many uh, – and, and I know you said you were the business guy, but when you said data, I hit with, like, okay, I had this many sales, so I see, and this much people ordered from, from Uber Eats, and this much people from Delivery Door, yeah. and then this much people ordered from, from the actual – went into the actual location. And yep. now I see this, and now I know I can – market here because people are more susceptible so like that type of so yeah so so adam is more of that guy okay. but i have i i have information for you um he probably has every to every decimal for you <laughs> but um the numbers actually came into play because obviously during a pandemic the goal was to make as much money as possible and spend the least amount of as much money as possible, right? So before the pandemic, when we were open, we, had, we were open for like five months, and we had two people on staff. We were open until 3 o'clock in the morning. The labor hours were through the roof. It, was, it didn't make sense for us. Um, when the pandemic came, it forced us to actually lock our doors and, and put in a slide-up window so that we were a takeout location. Wow. So now it's actually completely shifted the entire paradigm of the company. It's it, We used to be a walk-in oh, we're going to have, you know, bags of flour here and, like, a whole display here and make it have, like, a little warm, cozy feeling. Not anymore. You know, now it's just a walk-up window that says order here. And that's what it is. We're all about speed. So we cut our labor down to one person because now we don't need a person at the front and, you know, at the at the register and then someone in the shop. The register is in the shop, you know. Um, and, and it just made us, it made us just move so much more efficiently. It made us figure out ways to be quicker. It mm-hmm. made us figure out ways to, to, to eliminate errors. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the cookie business, that's, that's really it. You know, like people want to get in, they want to get their dessert, they want to get out. You know, I mean, I'm not going to wait in line 20 minutes for a cookie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not going to do that. So you know, 20, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe outside of a restaurant to get a table. But I'm standing to just grab a cookie and go. So we do get this line at the window, but it's fast moving. So with with the cookie business, I'm not going to hold you to telling us every flavor. I just want people to be mouth-watering and then okay. go ahead and order everything every after flavor. the show. So what, what, what do we got? What's on the menu? So we'll just go right down the line. We have our classic chocolate chip, uh, which is our OG chocolate chip. Man, it's a vanilla dough uh, with a Valrona chocolate and a little mulled on sea salt on top. Uh, we have an apples and oats, which is a spiced dough. Um, with caramelized apple filling, rolled in oats. Um, very, very good if you like like an oatmeal cookie. Uh, we have a fun fruity, which is a sugar dough uh, with fruity pebbles swirled inside and sprinkles on the outside. It's very, very rich sugar cookie. We have uh, cookies and cream, which is a double dark chocolate dough uh, filled with a homemade Oreo cream cheese, top of the chocolate ganache. That one's uh, a fan favorite. That's something you'd like to share because it's very, very rich. Um, we have three vegan and gluten-free options as well. They're amazing. Um, we have our blueberry lemon swirl, which is probably one of my favorite cookies. Um, it's a uh, it's a lemon zest dough with a blueberry compote. Are you guys shipping? We do not ship. No, we're we're trying to figure out the process behind that. Um, I say one thing that we do very well is we don't stretch ourselves too thin. Mm-hmm. We're very busy in the shop and trying yeah. to build our second one. So right now. 
you know, our, our shop's 500 square feet. You know, we can only make an X amount of cookies oh, daily. Yeah. Fair enough. So, like, I don't even know. We'd have to figure it out. Like, we'd have to get a commissary kitchen, and it would just be well, a whole lot more. So, so what are you? So, what are we going for? Are we going for the 500 million? Are we going for the yeah? Bill? Which no, one no, we, no. Which one? 500 million dollars. Right, yeah, 500 million. We'd probably sell it 100 mil. Okay. Yeah, we'll probably sell it 100 million. million. You guys heard it first, all right? Yeah. And any investors, anybody yep. who hears this show, this is something yep. I actually throw a little twist in there that I'm bringing on winners. So if you guys are, you know, looking at winners, yep. call Nick. Call me. So, Nick, yeah, call, call you maybe, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the batch business, you're enjoying it. It puts a smile on your face. I want to talk a little personal with you real quick. Yeah. I talk a little bit about, or a lot about this, is the mind-body-soul connection. To me, you're a beast. You, you said you're disciplined with your time and how you wake up. You're consistent with working out. Talk to us about how you stay sharp. Routine. You just nailed it. It's routine. Um, 5.30 a.m. workout. Um, I need breakfast and coffee Okay. every single day. If I don't have breakfast or coffee, man, my mind's somewhere else. Um, and then I just keep things moving. I also like to stay ahead. You know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not a huge planner in planning months ahead, weeks ahead. Okay. You know, a week ahead is good for me because things can't happen. Um, but just staying, create a routine. Um, and once you start to get on a routine, then you hold yourself accountable to it. You know, I mean, if that routine is just making sure you wake up at 530 and making your bed, you know, um, if you wake up and, and, you know, it's 545, you hit the snooze and guess what? Now you don't have time to make your bed. Now your whole routine's threw off. Mm-hmm. So once you get a routine, then you really start to see su- uh, crazy change in your life because accountability becomes important. So over the past decades, you've maintained a, a lot of physical fitness and, you know, because you were an athlete, of course, and then now it became your career. What do we say to people about physical fitness? What's the importance of it? Patience. Um, you've got to be patient with results. Um, that's the thing about exercise and, and fitness. It takes about eight weeks to see results, but you can lose results in the course of seven days. Wow. You know, which is why it's it's very, very disheartening for people. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been I've been going so hard for six weeks and I haven't seen any change and oh my god, yada yada yada. Well, look, two more weeks, keep going, you're going to start to see some change. But nine, nine out of ten people fall off the, the boat. Then you got to flip of it, right? Some, I've been working out so hard for six months, and a damn pandemic came, and now I can't get in the gym, so I'm just going to sit in the house, and you lose everything. Now it's like, shit, man, I don't want to get back into shape, you know? I'll never get back to where I was, but it's patience. It's all about being patient. And also, you got to enjoy it. Do, do activities. It doesn't have to be lifting weights. It doesn't have to be that. If you like to play basketball, play basketball three times a week at in a men's league. You know, if you like playing volleyball, there's sand volleyball um, teams and clubs everywhere in Fort Lauderdale. Jump on that. If you swim, go swim. You know, if you if you want to ride your bike, ride your bike. Mountain biking is amazing. There's great trails in South Florida. There's no excuse for people to not have something to do fitness wise. And what's the science? What's the importance of it? I mean, shoot, the importance of working out, number one, so resistance training, um, not only does, res- and, resi- and I say resistance training, we're talking about lifting weights, mm-hmm. okay, not like, like a, like a, a strength guy, like a, like a weightlifting team, but like, you know, dumbbells, you know, just using weights, mm-hmm. um, it increases bone density, it decreases fat, increases cardiovascular endurance, increases cardiovascular health, increases, um, uh, endorphins, um, you know, it makes you happier. Studies have shown that, that when you are done working out, you actually feel euphoria. I mean, there's, there's countless of things, countless numbers of things that, 
that, you know, are benefits to working out. I don't think there's any, you know, negatives to, to exercise. And if there is, it's probably because you're going too hard. Um, you know, some people, there are people that are addicted to working out and that work out four or five times a day and that's detrimental to the body. But, you know, exercising for 30 to 45 minutes a day, there is zillions of things that, that it can help with you, not only, but like you said, mind, body, and soul. So, for people, what are some tips, meaning working out-wise, how, how, how should we attack it? I know everybody's yeah, different, of every, course. every age, every goal, but yeah. how, how, do you like, how do you think we should attack it? So, again, so finding, number one thing is find something that you like to do, okay? Okay, okay I like to go run, I like to go lift, I like to do an aerobics class, okay? That's the number one thing. The second thing is you have to find an accountability partner. So, so mm. work out with a partner. You know, like Danny, if you and I become, hey, man, we're going to work out on Monday at 8 a.m., all right? It's Monday at 8 a.m., we work out, we killed it, we pushed each other, great. All right, man, I'll see you tomorrow, Tuesday, right? Tuesday at 8 a.m., right? Mm. Now you're like, shit, I didn't plan on going again, but, you know, Nick's going now, so, all right, I'm going to go. So I force you to get into this routine. Um, so it's, it's find something you like to do, and then find a partner, all right? And then also set reasonable expectations for yourself, set reasonable mm. goals. You know, don't say I want to lose 50 pounds in a month. It doesn't work that way. You know, set tangible goals and goals that you can crush within, you know, a 30-day period. So set a new one and set a new one and set a new one. So those are the three things. Those are the three key key markers um, to starting and establishing and then also following through with a healthy lifestyle. So I want to ask you this. We talked a lot about you being very successful. I also seen you very happy and confident what's your take on how you how you're so happy and how you're so confident this guy don't give a shit what people say mm. i just don't give a, a fuck what people say mm-hmm. to be honest man it's fuck it doesn't matter you know um you know being very very in tune with myself and knowing i have my flaws and you know there's things that i don't like about myself but at the end of the day you know there's there's just so much more to to nick hicks and into life and so many people are going through way worse things than I am. You know, why Why could I sit here and have my throw my own little pity party? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that those are two things. Not feeling f- sorry for myself. And then also just not giving a shit what people say. How did you build that skill set of, one, not giving a fuck what people, and maybe I'll scratch that out. <laughs> no, not giving a shit. Yeah, not, My bad, I cussed. Yeah, I apologize. Me, me too. I'll, I'll cut that out. Yeah. How, how do you, how do you uh, create the, like, the skill set? How did you create this skill set for yourself where you truly did, weren't worried about other people's opinions and you were, you were able to wipe things off after they tried to, to knock you down? Well, I, I mean, I used to care. You know, that's okay. the thing. People used to, I used to care about it, you know. I mean, I had an older brother that would pick on me all the time okay. and that would suck. I had an older brother that would embarrass me, you know, in front of other people. But that's just brother stuff, you know. But then once you once you start to say, you know what, I'm, it doesn't matter anymore and people know that. And people ought to see that you actually don't care when they tear you down. They stop doing it, and it, it no longer becomes a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like you know, law of attraction, right? Like if if people see that what they say affects me, it's going to keep coming. But if they see that it, it just rubs off my shoulders and just runs down my back, and I don't care, then they move on to the next person. You know what I mean? They really don't care. Um, you know, being confident is a decision. You know, it's not really like something that you learn to do. You, you just one day say, you know what, I'm done. I'm done with that. You know what I mean? It's just you made the decision one day to, to say it's not going to affect me anymore. 
you know. And I'll be honest with you, man. I wasn't picked on as a kid. I wasn't bullied. That wasn't, you know, I, that wasn't my path. I'm not going to sit here and say that was it. You know, I was always a very outgoing kid, a confident kid. Um, and that was because I chose to be. Like I said, it's a decision, you mm. know. I think I think that's that taught me a lot right there. It's simply it was a decision you chose to be in. You yeah. weren't gonna pity party. You know that life's short, and you know that I'm gonna be my full authentic self in this life, and that and that's it. One hundred percent. Nothing, nothing. Yeah. Nothing about it. And, and if you want great things in life, you have to step out of your comfort zone, and you've got to go do things that others won't, that are scared to do, that are embarrassed to do. You know what I mean? You know, you've got to just you've got to say fuck it. Like I said, I'm, I apologize for cussing. <laughs> no, that's what you got to do sometimes. It's really, yeah. and that's and that's to get the point across. So, another big arena of life I want to ask you about is is a relationships. And when I'm talking about any of your personal relationships, I'm, I'm talking whatever you want to talk about, but more about the importance of relationships beyond you know for the connections, like you said, with old teachers, relationships with friends. You know, everybody in South Florida, relationships with uh, a significant other, your family. Talk to me about your take on relationships. Um, I'm very big in relationships. I mean, some of my best friends are friends that I've had since kindergarten, that I've known since, you know, the first days that I can remember. Um, I I have a lot of friends. I like to be around a lot of people. Um, and I think that developing relations, relationships with other people is a great way to learn more about yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and then relationships with people that are, have like minds. You know, a lot of my friends are business owners. A lot of my friends are are doing things like you. Like, for example, like, you've got so much going on, man. You know, like, I want to be around that. You know, so choosing the proper relationships. Um, Relationship with my girlfriend. I've I've had a girlfriend now for a year and a half. Uh, Her name is Janessa. She's amazing. Her and I did not, like, it was crazy, right? Like, I always tell everyone, like, if you're out there looking and you want to find a girlfriend or you want to find a boyfriend, you know, you've got to kind of pump the brakes on that and let things happen organically. You know what I mean? I tell people all the time, you know, if I told you to go outside right now and find money on the ground, you're not going to come back with money. But one day you're going to leave this place and you're going to find a $100 bill, right? But you just got to be aware enough to pick it up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, so if you're searching for something, you're going to force something and it's not going to be what's for you. You know, but if you're kind of just going, doing your daily and you're aware of something that could be good, take a chance at it. You know, so Janessa actually um, saw a picture of me on the Batch Cookie Instagram. And um, decided to come to from Miami, from from uh, Palmetto Bay, six, sixty miles away, to come to the shop to meet me. And I wasn't there. You know, Adam was working the shop that day, so um, she ended up like posting on Instagram. And Adam said that, "Oh, this this chick just came to the shop." Yada yada yada. <laughs> so then we connected on Instagram, and we went out that next day. You know, so it was really wasn't like you know I was on dating apps and I was like you know trying to holler at chicks. No, it wasn't like that. It was like, oh shoot, this girl came by asking about me. Yeah, let's let's go on a date, and that was it. And you know, mm. it's I mean, she has taught me a lot about relationships. Um, patience being patience and having patience and really thinking before i speak because i do speak my mind a lot and sometimes women don't want to hear certain things you know what i mean so it's just kind of picking choosing my words man um but yeah i mean relationships whether it's you know with my parents whether it's with best friends or whether it's it's my girlfriend you know extremely important to me um you know i feel like that's what i'll look back at you know when i'm 90 years old and think about the times I had with friends and the conversations I had with friends and the things that I did with my mom and dad. And, you know, that one time Janessa and I went on this vacation and it was amazing. You know, to me, that that is what life's all about. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about making money and, and buying this and buying that. It's really about how you affected people and how people impacted you. Yeah, it, you said so many things there, too, that I, I want to point out is, one, you, you surrendered to, like, the forcing of life. You, you went you went into the flow state. So, you know what, I'm going to focus on being the best version of myself. I'm going to do what I need, and I'm going to let things come in, you know, come to me in yeah, life. Yeah, 100%. The, the abundance mentality. 100%. The, love, the love frequency. That's one thing I wanted to commend you on. And number two, when you brought up your relationship with your with your girl, one thing that actually you know, ruined one of my relationships uh, th- through you know having to grow was not speaking my truth um, enough. Mm-hmm. So it was like the opposite of what you you know were doing, where I was actually not communicating well enough, where yeah. I was letting things. This happened in, in my relationships in business. This happened in my relationships with uh, females. This happened in my relationships with my family, where I would hold on to things and put my and and not and because of things that hurt me, and not just let it out. And I yeah. uh, would you say you know you're someone who's been so confident in life. And like you said, wipe things off and not let it. And I could talk offline about why I rationalized how the story in my head got to me. But, you know, I guess my question was to you about knowing when to... Just let it go. When to... Shake it off. Yeah. Yeah, I got a short-term memory, man. And that's... It's a selective memory. Um you know, like Janessa, for example, if I said something five weeks ago, like she's going to pull up the text, the receipt, you know, so you did say it. And I was like, well, I don't remember that. I, I'm not worried about an argument we had you know, a month ago. <laughs> I'm not worried. I've already, I've already forgotten it, you know, yeah. like let's, let's get over it. Yeah. And I'm very good at keeping things, you know, that, that we've resolved, resolved mm-hmm. and not going back into it. Um, you know, but like I said, sometimes I do say things that are hurtful and that are a little bit, you know, abrasive. And, you know, I think that 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 comes into play or, or is because of who I am as a coach. Sometimes I say things that, you know, I'm trying to bring the best out of you. Mm-hmm. You know, I might be a little mean. I'm sorry. But, you know, I, I don't I'm not trying to tear you down. I just I I think that you could do this better and you could be better here. You know, and sometimes people need to hear it a certain way in order to actually do stuff. Mm, you said, right, you say, know? say in a Coaching. certain way. You can say the same thing. It's yeah. just about how you say it. And that yeah. can teach you so much in Agreed. life. Agreed. You know, would you also say, um, you know, on that note, uh, actually it was funny. I was just, uh, I was just having a train of th- uh, my train of thought with that was the last thing you were saying, you were um, about speaking your truth. Yep. It'll come back to me. Yep. Relationships, we talked about mind, body, soul. We talked about happiness, talked about confidence. Where are you going? What, what are you have a final why, your purpose? What what's the big vision for Nick Hicks? Um, I would say I would say that, you know, we're looking at this 10, 15 years down the road. I'm hoping and praying we've sold batch for zillions. And uh, I don't have to work, you know, but I do see myself not staying away from the gym. I love it, you know. I love being there, you know. Um what I'm really passionate about is teaching and, and molding trainers and molding athletes. Um, so I could I could see maybe like a perform university type deal where, you know, like trainers from all over the country, you know, come and they want to learn. They want to learn, you know, phase one through ten, you know, and it's a, maybe a 10-week a course. You know, I don't know. Maybe there's something there's something along that line, but I, I would love to, to teach that. I, I post you know stuff on Instagram all the time and, and trainers all over the place like hey man when's the workshop I'd love to come learn you know and and I would love to teach I really would because 
you know, I feel like, you know, that's that's how you leave a legacy, you know, that's how you leave this this mark on 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 earth and on people because you know, I could if I if I go to if I die with all this knowledge in my head and all this experience in my head, but I haven't taught anybody anything, you know, that to me that's not a life well lived. Um, it's more so sharing my knowledge and sharing my experience and, and helping future trainers down the line, whether it's, you know, a competitor or even if it's somebody, you know, who's training his son in Minnesota because he wants his son to, you know, play ball and there's no, there's no, uh, facilities out there. You know what I mean? So sharing knowledge and sharing a wealth of knowledge is, is what I'm passionate about and what I can see myself doing, you know, when I'm older and I can't move and run and jump and cut and do the things that I could do today. Yeah. The vibes I'm getting from you right now is you remind me of like the the new version for fitness of Grant Cardone. Yeah. You have that same confidence. You have that same big vision as him. And you're going to end up becoming like a huge force in this this evolution of sports, fitness, and even in, and like you said, just helping people grow. And that's kind of the vibes I'm That's seeing. my goal. That is my goal. So... And that's why one of my last questions for this show, and it's been an amazing time, so thank you, Nick, is you've been a master of creating your personal brand over the past decade. And what are some tips and what what do you feel like the importance of building this brand, not for ego, but for reach and impact? Valuable content. You know, valuable content. So when I'm on Instagram or on Twitter or on whatever, you know, the posts that I stop scrolling for are content that I can learn from, that I, you know, can take something away from. It's not a picture of somebody just hanging out on a boat, you know, with a bottle of Moe. You know what I'm saying? It's, you know, whether it's a motivational quote, whether it's, um, you know, an instructional video on how to do something. You know, those are the posts that I stop and look at and save and send and comment on. So I thought, you know, why don't I start creating valuable content? I have, I, I, I train all day, every day. And the stuff that I'm doing works. You know, my athletes are getting better. Why not videotape it and post it, you know? Um, so number one is valuable content. The second thing is quality content, you know. Um, by quality content, it's... I'm not saying that everyone has to hire a photographer and, and, and get a photographer to follow them around, but, you know, it's got to be clean looking. You know, it's got to be a clean feel. Um, and then the third thing, consistency. You know, mm-hmm. you got to be consistent. You know, you can't just post one nugget a week. You know what I'm saying? you got to put multiple nuggets back to back to back to back, you know. Um, and, 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 and another, I guess you could say an extra to that was don't care about if it's not perfect, mm. you know, don't care if you said something a little weird or you fumbled upon your words or, you know, the rep wasn't perfect. It doesn't matter. You know, it, that shows that it's, it's real, you know, and that it's an organic feel. Like we're not trying to superimpose this perfection at perform, you know, everyone still makes mistakes and I'll fumble my words and I'll say something and, you know, maybe I'll lose my train of thought, but who cares? I'm still going to post it. People are going to see it and feel that rawness. You know what I mean? Um, I've actually gotten uh, better at my personal brand um, over the last month, I would say. And that's strictly because I have learned how important it is with running batch and running perform. And I saw that both these business uh, social media platforms are growing, but they could grow faster if I would just start talking about them too on my personal. 
you know? So once, because I, I mean, I had X amount of followers, but my followers weren't following Perform, and they weren't following Batch, but they followed me because I really didn't do much on mine, you know? So I started to really, really bolster Perform, and I'd repost Batch, and I would start to make it more of a... You know, almost like I'm representing two businesses on my personal, and it's made both of them, all three of my accounts grow. So I'm not saying that's that's something you should do. I'm not saying go create three accounts and make them all work together, but it's something that I've learned in the past month, I'd say, um, that has helped not only grow my personal brand, but also the two brands that, that I own. Thank you for that, too, because no I'm, I'm going to take that strategy after this session to yeah. to my personal page because I'm actually feeling the same exact way and want to talk to you about that because I truly believe, like you said, if you're spreading a great message, your personal brand, whatever you stand for, it could be any subject, but from that subject, you could actually be uh, spread awareness about other yep. topics or businesses that you're associated with. So great 100%. strategy, and thank you for telling us all that. And Nick, you're someone who's, you know, I know for a fact... Uh, Everyone could contest this when they watch this show in a couple of years from now and they see where Nick Hicks is and it's going to be someplace even bigger than he's at right this moment. What do you want for what do you want for this world? What do you see for this world beyond just in your lens? Because a lot of things are going on. You know, it's it's that's an easy question and it's actually something that um, is the slogan for the cookie company. Okay. You know, and that's life is hard, be nice to people. Mm. You know, you never know what someone's going through. You never know what something someone's been through. Um, and, and being nice is very easy. It doesn't cost you a dollar. It's not hard. Holding a door for somebody, you know, saying hello to somebody, helping somebody open up their door, or their, their trunk door when they're trying to put groceries in, it's not a difficult thing to do. Um, if we can just be nice to people, man, that, that I would be very content, you know. That's the message I want to spread. Life is hard. Be nice to people. And that's what we represent with the, with the cookie shop. It's 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 really easier to be nice. It's easy. It's so much. It takes less energy to be easy than mean, and and it actually shows you that the world kind of opens up to you. Hundred percent. When, when you treat them, yep. How you want to be treated, yep. And that's like, do you believe in the law of attraction, like you mentioned earlier? Do I you do. believe in manifestation? Do you I believe do. in you speak your words into existence? I do. I do. Tell us a quick little synopsis. What do you think of that? Because that's getting big, and that's the direction I'm heading to. So. Again, it goes along the lines with, you know, failure is not an option. That's okay. more so where I believe all those those philosophies come into play. Failure is not an option. Mm-hmm. So you're going to hit bumps on the road. But if you know in your mind and you tell yourself that I cannot fail, I will not fail, then you won't. Then you will not. You will find a way. And and that is by way of law of attraction. That is by way of of you know being nice to people you know doing things the right way because once you start to get negative thoughts into your mind negative things happen you know what i mean if i start to think oh my god there's i i gotta figure out how to make you know ten more thousand dollars to pay my rent by the 30th and i know it's a a 10th like what am i gonna do i can't do it i can't do it i might as well just file for bankruptcy and just forget this and find a new job no that's you're you're letting failure seep, seep into your head and once that happens negative things happen you know, so so just not failure has never been an option for me within business. Whether it was the gym, whether it was the cookie shop, whether it was just finding a way to get something done. If I, someone asks me to do something, it's going to get done no matter what. Does not matter. It's just not an option. And that word that's probably one of the most destructive words in the word uh, world, stress. Mm-hmm. How do you manage it? How, how do you besides well, the physical exercise, the the negative thoughts come in your head, like you said, or and you just like you said, you just let it go. 
Yeah, so stress, uh, stress obviously gets everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually, you know, when, when I'm stressed out, I... Smile? Yeah, not even that. I just kind of just give myself space. I don't really have too many times in which I'm a- alone. Mm. I'm always around people, mm. and I'm always high, high, high volume. Yeah. You know, high energy. So when I'm stressed out, I can kind of feel it. Mm-hmm. I just kind of got to just get away for a little bit, clear my head, and just figure out, okay, what do I need to do to get out of the hole? You know what I mean? Because mm. when you're stressed, it's because you're lacking in certain areas. Yep. You're forgetting things. You're 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 overloading your plate. Um, you know. So to me, in order to to allow not allow stress to get to you, you've got to just slow down and compartmentalize things. You need to get done. Okay, this isn't even important. Why am I worrying about that? I'll handle that next month. Um, this right here, this needs to get done now. Let me get this. And as soon as you get that thing done. You feel better already. Like, oh, all right. All right. So all I got to do is just focus and quiet my time and really, really look at my life and see what's important and what's not important. That's all I got to do. All right. Cool. What do you think about stretching? Because I'm someone who's doing that every day now. It's helping my life dramatically. Yeah. So stretching is amazing. Um, I would call it more of a mobility exercise these okay. days, not really stretching. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you are doing like a static stretch, you know, you're holding a pose for 30 seconds and whatnot, but I'm more so into corrective exercise mobility, um, sessions to where you're taking the joint through a range of motion, breathing through the range of motion, clearing your mind, relaxing your body, um, because tight, tight joints, tight, let's just say you have tight feet, that's going to cause issues to your back. You know, the entire kinetic chain is going to be affected by tight feet because everything's connected. You know, your muscles are like an interweb. They're all connected. Um, so making sure that you're mobile from your ankles to your knees to your hips to your to your shoulders to your elbows to your trunk to your wrists to every little, you know, space in between each vertebrae, that is extremely important. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, it will uh, prevent from injuries um, and will also allow you to move freely throughout daily life. Like some people dread getting out of a chair because it hurts, you know. Yeah. Could you imagine if you didn't have to worry about getting out of a chair? If you just I get out of chair and I move on with my life, but people are so stressed, not stressed, but so worried about. Oh my God, getting up, my knee. How am I gonna? You know mm. what I mean? Imagine if you didn't have to worry about that, because that's just a, a, a snowball effect. You start worrying about that, then you worry about man, I gotta walk over to the door, then I gotta get down these stairs, and you know, stretching and making your joints mobile will make your life one million times better. I mean, think about it. Like our entire lives, we've been mobile, but. Somewhere down the line, mm. we've been sitting in chairs and hunching over, you know, you know, desks and driving and, you know, but as babies, man, I mean, when we, when we were born, we can do the deepest squat, we can roll our head to the back, we can literally fall downstairs and be okay because our bodies are pliable, you know what I mean? And as a fitness expert, do you have a body part that you say is the most important to focus on? Yeah, I mean, not a body part, but a region. I'd region. say the pelvic region, the pelvic girdle, your hip flexors, mm-hmm. your hamstrings, your glutes. Okay. All that there, and then also your feet. Okay. Feet, hip flexors, hamstrings, glutes, that that area. Beautiful. Yep. Nick Hicks. Man, it was a pleasure having you on the show. The reason Thank I'm you. saying it like this is because you have that energy. You carry that energy with you that it just gravitates to people and people just want to know you. Who's Nick Hicks? What's he about? What is that? What, what, is that just you? Is that your being? Is That's that your it, soul? man. That's it. If you're juiceless, you're useless, bro. You know what I'm saying? You got to have the juice. You got to have the juice. You got to be on. You got to be cranked up at all, on all cylinders all the time. Uh, people feed off of energy. Um, I feed off of energy. 
You know what I mean? If I go into a place and it's super quiet and everyone's not feeling it, I get the hell out of there. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, but I've just always been like this. I've always and I've always been the life of the party. I've always been the you know the guy who's just you know you go, you go somewhere and I need a volunteer. I'll do it. I don't even know what the hell it is, but I'll do it. Mm. I just I didn't you know it's just who I've been my entire life. Um, I'd say I was probably a terror as a kid, you know, because I was so energetic. Um, and I was always doing things and, you know, running around the house and just jumping on couches and, you know, pre- pretending I was, you know, some sort of actor doing something, just going crazy. But again, that's that's what I've been my whole life. So I don't know how to, to tell people to do it. I don't know how to channel it. I really don't know, you know, there's a recipe, but it's just who I am, brother. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's Thank like that, you. You're that supersonic, just going through life, and you're just bringing everyone with you, man. And we're, we're, you're definitely leading the way. I told you in the beginning of this episode that I was inspired by you because I, I really knew that you were gonna make something great because of who you were portraying. And and like you said, you what you act like, you become what you think like, you become. And I appreciate what you're doing. Um, and I'm gonna actually use you as like a another inspiration for my next jolton to like hey i want to start spreading this message i want to yep. be i got nick hicks on millionaire voices i got eric dunn coming i got zach yep. killer i got maybe even dalvin coming yep. on the show but i got people that are coming to spread a great message and then what i'm gonna do is step into like all right i'm proud of this i'm yep. proud of spreading this message instead of hey i'm doing this to stay busy because that's how i got into this game yeah and and it, now i realize oh wow I knew it was going to stay busy and create something, but I didn't really understand now. It's personal you, growth, you man. You gave me confirmation with this show was, was saying, wow, I just need to step into what he's saying. That's it. That's it. This is personal growth for you, man. You know, um, being able to sit down and have conversations with, with people that you respect and admire, you know, that that is awesome. You know, that's that shows that you're true to yourself and, you know, you, you want to surround yourself with people that are like mind. Mm. And, um... You know, I think that's amazing. You know, I would love to do a podcast. I don't even know where to start. I have no idea. Oh, I can't wait for Nick Hicks' podcast. Shoot. So I'll say this to, to wrap up. Tell us where you can, where we can all find you. Um, you can find me at uh, my personal, which is the Notorious Nick Hicks, spelled N-O-T-O-R-I-O-U-S-N-I-K-H-I-X. And then uh, my gym is Perform, at Perform, P-E-R, the number 4 O R M. And then the cookie shop is at Batch Cookie Co. B A T C H C O O K I E C O. Everybody, go follow him right now. Thank you so much, Nick Hicks, co founder of Puffform and co founder of Batch Cookie. Go ahead and uh, subscribe because we need that. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for having me.